Welcome to Light It Up, a podcast about resilient women balancing motherhood, their careers, personal lives, and all of the challenges that come along with being a superwoman. Each week, you'll be motivated to take action to lead, inspire, transform, and empower. Now, here's your host, Dr. Regina Mashira. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Light It Up. It is such an honor and a pleasure to have a very special guest on today's episode, Sister Khadija Rashid. As-salamu alaykum. alaykum I'm very honored as well to be here. Awesome. I um, So for my listening audience and viewing audience who don't know, um, you are an author, a speaker, a Muslima matchmaker. And um, I just want to say you have just such a beautiful spirit. I don't know how we ended up connecting. I know it was through Facebook. And that's it. <laughs> that's that's it. connection. Yeah. I saw you an author. So I'm like, let me friend her. I need more <laughs> Muslima authors in my life. Yes. And actually, I think we actually have a mutual, I know we have a mutual Facebook friend. Okay. Um, who is Aisha Elamine. So I don't know. You'll have to figure out. But yeah, no, I met her the same way through Facebook. I, I meet so many of my friends now through Facebook. And then I, if I'm in your city, I'll pop up. So gotcha. Okay. My list. <laughs> and so we, you know, I've commented on some of your posts and just was very intrigued by you because um, you know, I'm a Muslim, you're a Muslim, and um we both have similar experiences right. at um, born and raised as Muslims. And, and we were talking earlier that we were both married and divorced, except for you've remarried. I'm remarried now, which is a whole nother journey. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you wrote a book, Keep Your Muslim Man Monogamous. A Muslim Girl's Guide to Avoiding Polygamy. And that title in and of itself, I'm sure, will probably have folks intrigued. Yeah, intrigued and debating all at the same time. <laughs> it always does. It never fails. That's right. But more importantly, I feel like you've been able to bring um, a group of uh, Muslim women together who have been able to share different experiences and have candid conversations and for me, although I was born and raised um, as a Muslim, um, I came up in the Nation of Islam during a time in which um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had passed away. And so the Nation of Islam was in transition. So for me, I attended public schools. I didn't grow up having very many Muslim friends. So my Muslim community was really my family. Mm -hmm. And um, my my dad, actually, my late father founded the Coalition for the Remembrance of Elijah Muhammad, which was dedicated to preserving the name, ideas, legacy of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And within that organization, it was designed for people who um, wanted to learn about Islam, but didn't necessarily want to, you know, convert, although many did. And so even with that, there were a lot of converts that I was around. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even know if I should use that term because we like to say that you're a Muslim by nature. 
right? I still say converts. I know yeah. people like reverts, converts. Yeah. So my experience is different in terms of my Muslim uh, community. Mm -hmm. So now I'm at a place in my life when I see other people who, you know, we share the same faith, belief, I'm like, okay, let me try to connect because I'm sure we have some common experiences, you know? You sound so, like me, and my daughter's always getting on every time, because I grew up in Mississippi, a smaller community as well. Every time I see a Muslim out, it's like, oh my God, so I'm like, um, yes. and sometimes you don't get that bad, but that's another story. Yes. Right. <laughs> so I wanted to, this is, you're my first guest back since I took a little bit of a hiatus. Folks don't really know that I took a hiatus, but I had some interviews that were recorded, and yes. so it's an honor to have you on the show. Um, you're also my first Muslim woman to be on the show. So, Are you serious now? You ain't tell me that. That's all well, I wanted to surprise you. That is a surprise. Well, now, see, that makes it even more of an occasion. Yes. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I've done all of this talking. <laughs> if you could just, you know, kind of tell the audience something of, um, about yourself. Um, besides what I've already covered. You actually did a really good job considering I didn't send in my bio like I was supposed to. But um, but yeah, thank you. Like you said, I, I too was born and raised um, Muslim after my parents converted. They came during that period you're talking about, like right after the transition to Elijah Muhammad's son, Morthy Muhammad. So they raised us under that. They still quote him to this day when they're trying to give us a lesson about something. So it is a very unique, you know, upbringing. And um, basically, um, Thought I was going to be a filmmaker, which I just did a post last night. Like I'm tipping my toes back into that after kind of taking time off as well to, you know, raise my son. My daughter just graduated from college. Um, and during that downtime, I got into writing. And who would have guessed the story that would inspire me would be my own kind of run-in <laughs> with polygamy. Um, and so it just basically kind of unleashed these you know, stories and experience that I had had, but through writing, it allowed me to connect with so many other women who've had similar experiences or trying to avoid similar experiences. And so now I'm kind of like merging the two, like writing, filmmaking, you know, motivational speaking, life coaching, you know, basically during this pandemic, it's kind of like a time like to just look, the end of the world may be coming soon. So just get out your craft, you know, don't die with your stories in you, as people say. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm moving forward into now. So I'm very um, excited to be here to kind of have this important conversation with another Muslima. Yes. So, and, and it's interesting, you know, speaking of um, just the topic itself, you know, yeah. your book topic. Um, mm -hmm. And I shared with you, like even my book um, that I published a year ago was based upon my experience of becoming a single mother, a divorced mother. So I had been married for 11 years. I've been divorced now for seven years. That was me. Yeah. And um, it was something that I agonized about because my parents had been married 40 plus years. In fact, their 50th wedding anniversary um, is July 25th. I was almost like, that's relationship goals right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I struggled with 
deciding to file for a divorce. But I also was the type of person who um, infidelity was something that I just couldn't accept. And that did occur in my marriage. And so I struggled with that, but then I made a decision that because I wanted to keep my family together, mm-hmm. that I would try to move past that. Wow, that's, that's huge. That's honorable, you know? Yeah. However, yeah. however, <laughs> second time around, I'm, you know, I just yeah. couldn't, not if, if yeah. this is going to be a repeated pattern. And what I've, um, as of late, what I've um, been engaged in a lot of conversations about, you know, um, taking on more than one wife and that sort of thing. And you know that that's a huge debate. You know, some people are for it and some people are, are not for it. And then, you know, you have folks who go to the Quran to justify. Yeah. So with your book, what exactly, um, what kind of guidance without giving everything away yes. are you sharing with those of us who may have that experience? Yes, um, I, I give both. You know, like you say, people use the Quran to justify it. I personally, when I read the Quran, I see a lot of stuff that's saying like, mm, that's not necessarily what you want, you know? Mm-hmm. So I do put those verses in the book, like the one that says, marry those among you who are single. You know, so it's like, wait, how are you going to marry somebody amongst you who are single if the guy's already married? You know what I'm saying? So those are like really direct quotes. And I'll, you know, uh, choose various translations of that, right? Mm -hmm. Not saying that, oh, polygamy is haram or anything like that. It's it's basically um, a choice, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a choice that there is some, there are some things for it. And there are some things that are like, maybe that's not what you want to do right now. Um, and so I share the most, to me, the most relevant um, hadith or story of the prophet, peace upon him, that related to my experience with polygamy um, was basically the one where the prophet, peace upon him, well, Fatima, his daughter comes and says, you know, Ali, peace be upon him. He, you know, is trying to get married to some other, you know, sisters and I'm not with it. And, you know, are you going to stand up for me in so many words or, or less? She says in a more poetic way, which you can read about in the book. But, you know, basically, you know, the prophet, he did, he did a talim about it, as well as talked to Ali directly. And he basically said, like, you know, that's my daughter. What hurts her hurts me. And I'm not going to try to make the halal haram or, you know, vice versa. But if you do want to, you know, move forward with marrying, you know, these other women, then you're going to have to divorce my daughter first. And so it was really important for me to share that story because I've heard so many women that say, I accepted polygamy or I'm in a polygamous marriage because I didn't have any choice because Islam says you have to. And it doesn't say that anywhere. You know, um, it says, you know, even the verse, the one verse in the whole entire thick Quran that talks about polygamy, um, it basically says if you have um, concerns about dealing justly with orphans, then marry, you know, women of choice two or three. That's literally the only time. And I'm like, I don't see no orphans over here. Where orphan Annie yet? You know what I'm saying? But God trying to use that as we talked about, you know, offline about, oh, I want to take care of you. You're a single mom. Let me pay your bill. That ain't no orphan. Right. <laughs> she can get a job and she grown. Right. She ain't an orphan, you know? Yeah. Um, we're not considered orphans when our parents, you know, when we're grown and our parents, you know, may pass away, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a number of different things that I deal with from that aspect to kind of really debunk 
that whole myth is really what it is that you have to do it. If you're a Muslim, you have to accept it. Otherwise you're going against God. Like, oh, no, actually read this right here. Cause that is not true. But then I also wanted to offer practical tips to us as women based on the numerous deep in-depth conversations, not only my husband and I had afterwards, because that was something we realized was lacking is that I wasn't with it. He had been approached, you know, by someone who was interested and he knew because I wasn't in or he felt because I wasn't in it, he couldn't come back to me with it. And we learned that was kind of our fatal mistake, so to speak. We had to be able to have those conversations and he had to know that I would not flip out. Now I might try to slash your tires or something later, but we can have a conversation in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to worry about that yet. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, depending on how things go. You know what I'm saying? So um, I wanted to um, share with women some of the real practical things he told me that I may not have wanted to hear, right? About kind of how men think differently than us, what they find attractive, what they don't. If you start doing this, they might not say nothing to you, but then when somebody come up who's different than that, they might start making decisions based on that. And so it was that as well as the matchmaking, which I, you know, I know we'll talk about a little bit later, but in becoming a matchmaker, even after this experience and having so many brothers, you know, reach out to me and hire me to find their mates and being able to be successful in that in a lot of cases, alhamdulillah, but listening to those stories of what they were looking for and why maybe the first match I, I linked them up with didn't work or why they didn't like this sister, or why their last relationship broke up, like, putting all those stories together to kind of basically go back to that premise that we all know and remember from, I know my aunt had the book and <laughs> shared it with me, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Like we really are like, it's like we're from a different planet, which means we think differently. We speak different languages and all kinds of things. And so I wanted to offer practical tips. Like, you know, I know it may be comfortable to walk around in sweats all day, especially in quarantine, but your guy, especially if he's on Instagram and looking at Instagram models, even regular people who have now become model-like on Instagram, you might want to spruce that up a little bit. You right. know what I'm saying? Can you put on the, you know, the old school juicy couture sweats, you know, with the fuzzy pink and something cute. Like they are going to want to see that at least every now and then. Mm -hmm. Don't just be on some like, I got him, we good. Because with polygamy, with that little line... I don't think you ever truly good, you know? Yeah. So there's just little tips that I try to offer, you know, such as things like that, like open communication, talk to him about it. Do not shut down the conversation about polygamy. Let him know that if he's ever presented, he can come to you and talk, talk to you about it without it being like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to burn the house down because this is just such a fiery subject and don't even bring that to me. And I think it's so interesting that you say that because I think, um, Clearly, a lot of times men will make assumptions about a woman's response. Oh, yeah. You know, because um, when when I had a conversation with my now ex-husband, but this may have been during the time that I confronted him about mm. his transgressions yeah. and the reason behind it. Yeah. And he said that there were some things that he didn't feel that he could talk to me about. Yeah. Because I think for him, I, I used to tell people that um, I was on this pedestal, I felt like in his eyes, because in my community, in my environment, you know, my dad was the founder of this organization. Yeah. I was the only quote unquote available Yes, person of a certain, you know, 
eyes. Right. Who wouldn't want to have Manir Muhammad's daughter was, you know, (laughs) and, um, and so I think because of that, you know, folks have, you know, certain thoughts or, you know, perceptions of what you will tolerate and what you will not tolerate. Um, And of course, by your response to certain things. And, um, and just with this subject alone, like, you know, I've come to the conclusion I will say it's not for me. You know, if it's for another sister, then, you know, mm-hmm. that that's not my household. So I can't concern myself with that because it doesn't involve me. Right. And um, so some people know not to have that conversation with me, not to approach. Um, yeah. How, in terms of writing this book, what what was your decision behind sharing such a personal story um, and a personal, you know, experience with World? Well, I mean, basically, the way that it happened to me, it basically taught me that, um, you know, secrets make us sick, right? And that, you know, as the, the famous quote goes, you can't heal what you don't reveal, Mm-hmm. And I know that just in my time of, of being around, you know, him and others in the community, even the sister who, you know, ended up transgressing into my marriage, you know, I was friends with all the people. I knew how they moved about. I knew how they, they rolled. And I know a lot of people um, nowadays are Muslim or not. They're very influenced by the world. They date. They are intimate before marriage. Some of them have kids before marriage. And so there are all these things going on, but I'd just be like, you know, kind of like you said, oh, it's none of my business. Okay, I know that that, that's something not quite right over there, but it's not for me to say. It's wrong to judge, you know? And so I would just shelve everything down. And so what it showed me is just that in in the shadows, it allows things to grow and to kind of fester and get worse. And so for me, being like, you know, the transparent type of, you know, open communicator that I've always, well, I, I, I haven't always, I grew up shy, but I, that I've developed into, I knew that it would be important to ha- bring these conversations out to the forefront, bring these actions and experiences out to the forefront so we can really look at them and heal. Um, like I talk about the sister, and we've been talking about that on our lives that we've been doing on Fridays with Muslim Wife Code, and just this whole thing of, okay, not only did this sister send my husband, you know, inappropriate pictures trying to get to be his second wife, but each of us had that experience with different Muslim women in the community from different cities and states. And so when you see something like that, it is a pattern. And so I like to examine, okay, what's the pattern? What's behind it? And so that's one of the things that compelled me to share this story is I wanted people to understand that things, things were happening, understand they were happening in larger numbers than we want to admit and to basically kind of rally forth the troops, like, let's see what we could do to heal this as a community. Because, you know, me healing is one thing, but that's not going to help my sister next to me or the sister in another state or the brother, you know, who's going through this. And so that was really the driving force is wanting to help and to heal. Awesome. And I, I mean, that's very important. And then you find so many people are able to relate to your story, like you said, um, and gain something from, you know, you, you sharing your experience. I know that's also been my experience um, when I shared about, you know, my, my experience going through a divorce, just the, um, the planning process, because I actually planned. Right. Um, I had to establish a plan. I wasn't going to make a move 
you know, because I had three children to think about yeah. how that was going to work out. In fact, um, something that I actually shared in my book, my ex-husband and I lived in the same home for one year after my divorce was final. That's amazing. Yes. That's, there's a whole story behind that, but it was not by my choice. Of course, of course. You yeah. know, but something that, um, that needed to be done. And I was surprised to hear about other people who are actually doing the same thing because, you know, um, with the financial and economic climate, like the last years, it's real, you know? Yes. No, that's real talk. That's free rent right there, girl. (laughs) Exactly. Pandemic. And people ain't got time to be breaking up and moving houses. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so let's talk about, um, so you have the book, you um, started a Facebook group, you do a weekly uh, pod, not podcast, but a weekly Facebook live with a group of other Muslim sisters. So how did you build your connection and decide that you were going to have this Muslim wife code group? Look, I have to, I have to credit, you know, Amani and Zinga Jabbar for the actual lives, right? Because I always say I'm too shy to do a live. I hats off to you for doing a podcast. You know, I am um, a very visual learner. So I like to do videos as you see myself, which I just sit in front of my camera and say what I want to say and cut it off when I'm, I'm done talking. I don't even edit. I need to, I always say I need, I need to, you know, get more into editing, but it's never been my thing. I'm more of a storyteller. So let me just tell a story and get on with my life. Um, but going live, it's like, you gotta, you know, have viewers. And I mean, I know now you can do playbacks. I'm learning and and stuff like that, but I was always too nervous. So I think I've only gone live like twice in my whole life before this moment. And so, um, Amani was one of those people who I'd always known her story, what she experienced. And my story ended up coming right, um, on the heels of that with someone who happened to be a mutual friend of both of us. And so, because I knew that connection, kind of to, you know, that painful area in my life, I was like, oh, I don't want to bring that, you know, to her and in her circle. So I kind of just, we would just hover around, you know, Muslim communities are small in the same environment. But once I found out she wrote a book about her experiences, you know, I'm told through the eyes of a character, but it was just still that same shared, you know, experience. And I could relate so much to what she had gone through. I decided to, you know, reach out and be like, hey, we have something in common. And she didn't, you know, know, but, um, you know, it was like an instant um, connection just based on that shared experience as, as things happen in life sometimes, you know, that bond does. And so she was like, you know, she had done a live with her book launch. She's like, we should do a live. And I'm like, I'm too nervous. And so she was gracious. And I, I'm glad her and Bibi had known each other. And I had talked to Bibi before, like, you know, like we should do a talk show, like, you know, and there are different people doing different things, but nothing like this you know, talking about these particular type of experiences that we go through as women, even as Muslim women. And so, you know, she was gracious enough to, um, to, you know, invite me and, you know, BB, and we all decided to do this together to really share, um, you know, our experiences in hopes of helping other women. And so now it's kind of like, you know, turning into this girl gang, as I call it, which I always wanted. I'm like, I want a legion of women. I want to bring us all to the table to talk about some of these things, you know, wife code, like what's the code going to be? Can we send other people's husbands inappropriate pictures when we want to be married to them? No, we will have to talk about it. So, right. so that's what we're kind of, you know, been doing uh, weekly, you know, on our show. 
Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, um, because I haven't on this, on this podcast, even though I'd said one of the impetus was to talk about relationships, talk about women who are navigating and trying to balance um, their careers, motherhood, relationships, right? But this is a subject that I hadn't had an opportunity to tackle. I want to know when you went through your period, you know, with your first marriage, like, did you um, go through a period where you didn't think that you would remarry or was it something that you desired? What, what were That's the perfect question because I always say that literally I didn't think well, I used to say literally, like, I never want to be married again. <laughs> experience, like, marriage is a sham. It's, like, so heartbreaking. You pour all your soul into someone, and then it doesn't work out. Like, is this life? I waited all the, you know, years of my life. You know, as girls, we fantasize of being, you know, married and having kids and white picket fences. And then when you don't get that, it is heartbreaking, you know, or when you get the opposite of that. And so I was just like, oh, no, I'm good. But, you know, that seven-year itch sets in, like, okay, I don't want this to be the rest of my life either. Mm-hmm. I guess divorce is painful if a marriage doesn't work out, but it's better than the alternative in my case. And I know some women, you know, I've spoken to, they choose that. Like, I'm just going to be single for the rest of my life and that's just what it's going to be. But I just feel like life is so much fuller. There's so many more people out there, so many more opportunities. Like, why just give up? And because, you know, one experience didn't work out or now, you know, I'm doing the lives and meeting all these different women. Um, and even with me being a money, like, okay, even the second time didn't work out. Okay. I'm getting back out there. So I'm learning from them actually, Mm -hmm. you know, um, about the resiliency afterwards. And so those types of experience helped me to be, you know, brave enough to, um, you know, get out there and try it again. Um, but like you say, it is, it is really kind of a tough decision when you've been through something painful because no one wants to repeat that. Um, but it's interesting that with all the different types of personalities and people in the world, we think we're going to go through the same thing. Yeah. It's so different. You and know? I think for myself, you know, I, I actually, I was in a relationship after my divorce and it was um, a five and a half year relationship, but it was also a long distance relationship. So we made it work. Um, he was not Muslim. Um, however, um, during that time, you know, for me, my primary concern was, was this individual going to respect me? Um, did they have a belief in, in God also? That was first and foremost, but were they going to respect me and treat me as I should be treated? And were they also going to respect my children and care for them? And I did find that, um, in that person, Unfortunately, two years ago, he did pass away unexpectedly. So I've been just, it's been. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a different type of emotional roller coaster. Exactly. Because for me, you know, I wasn't a wife. However, we have been in a relationship for a significant number of years. There were things, you know, we functioned like we had a bank account together because we used to together so that was like our travel fund you know what I mean so there were different things that where although we were living apart we were still you know working together so to speak and so you know now in trying to I don't I don't interact or meet the certain type of man I guess that I would deem 
would be right for me. And it's probably because, and someone said this to me, well, do you still think that you're comparing men to the person that you had been with for that? Oh, absolutely you are. Yeah. I mean, that's normal. That's a lot of time and getting used to somebody, getting used to a certain personality mm -hmm. type. So I'm sure that's what it is, you know, mixed in with that heartbreak. Like I said, nobody's going to sign up for that again, knowing that things can end. Right. They haven't ended such a different type of devastating way. Exactly. Exactly. So I kind of feel like, you know, here I am. I'm almost 43 years old. I have 16-year-old twins and a 13-year-old. Oh, and yeah. I don't want to grow old by myself, you know, so I would like to get yeah. married again. However, I don't want to get married to get a divorce. And then I think I probably um, have just this fear of losing another person, you yeah. know? So it's a, it's a, I'm a little apprehensive about getting back out there. So when, even when I'm in the group and I'm observing yeah. a lot, I'll comment on a few things, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, and I didn't realize, honestly, that mm. there was um, a dating app for Muslims. I had no idea. So that's how girl, girl. I had no clue. Yeah. See, I mean, but I mean, you weren't ready. So that's right. understandable. But now that you're ready, we definitely going to need to get you signed up on some. You know, I mean, I will double team it. You know, I'll be on the lookout. But then you also have to, you know, it's very important. I always advise all my clients be proactive. Get on a dating app. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not everywhere. I don't have eyes everywhere. Um, you may find you like a different type of guy than you initially thought because you just see his little profile scroll up and his little bio, you know. So you got to put your, put your net out there. Right. So tell us, how does your matchmaking services work? Well, you know, this is a whole different deal and spiel with the, with the pandemic, but ahead of time, you know, before, you know, all the changes, I mean, it would basically be, I mean, like the way I got started is literally, I would just, you know, I travel a lot. I do a lot of like different speaking engagements and I would just always meet such great quality brothers who like, sister, I heard your speech, you know, do you happen to have a friend or a sister or somebody who's like on this wavelength you're on, you know, kind of like this height, da, 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 you know, and I'd like just literally just be out minding my own business. And all these guys would be, you know, coming up trying to sell themselves in hopes that I would link them up with someone. And, you know, normally I would brush them off initially, but you know, when my friends and single family members start saying like, you haven't met any good brothers and all the chat, I'm like, actually I did meet this one guy. Let me see if I can, you know, and I go backtrack, try to find the guy and started linking people up that way and to my surprise to have it actually work you know to have people actually make these lifelong connections i'm like okay i might be on to something here but then when they started recommending their friends and then when strangers started reaching out to me and i started making connections based on you know similar personalities or geographic locations and then when they started hitting me back that it was working I was like, you know, and my, and my husband, I mean, he was a big supporter. I have to give him props. He's always like, okay, you tell the story to stuff that ain't quite work out. You need to tell the story to things that I, like, I really, you know, helped and supported and nurtured. I'm like, you're right, you're right. Mm -hmm. So he was the one who told me, like, you need to go back to school for this. Like, find out if there's a program or something, you know, where you can really learn how to do this professionally. And so I did. And, you know, I launched my business um, in November officially. I've been doing it for two years, but launched officially in November, what, um, you know, a few months before the world almost came to a stop. Yes. So has the matchmaking on that level. Cause I, you know, I like to be up close and personal with it. Not only, you know, do I meet and 
you know, interview people online, but then, you know, usually there's a meeting in person, there's, you know, multiple meetings and, you know, with family and, and connections and references and things of that nature, which I find terribly hard to do during the pandemic. There are so many people, I was just all literally watching TMZ and they had the guy from Catfish on there. And they're like, the catfishing numbers are like through the roof now. Like so many people are basically, you know, online trying to find love and online trying to deceive people into loving them. And I was like, I don't want to have to deal with that. And so that's why we did like the live last week where I'm just going to start inviting singles on and y'all can match each other. I'm going to teach you how to be your own matchmaker. I'm going to teach you what you need to do. Like I said, we will get you a profile and we're just going to, you know, I'm going to coach you through this process because, you know, if you want to spend hours, you know, surfing through, you know, profiles and things, you know, <laughs> Try to figure out who's who and if they really are. Yeah. I don't have that kind of time. I keep telling you. Oh, you're to make that time, sister. I'm going to make you make time because your love life. Sometimes to sift through profiles is what sure. I'm saying. <laughs> okay. We'll do it half and half. I'll send you some. You, you sift through some. So what are, what are your plans for like the, I know, you know, we've been faced with the pandemic. It's forced us to change how we do things. But in terms of um, bringing all of this together, in terms of, you know, your book, the matchmaking, and then telling Muslim stories, because I think that that is so important yes, to change right? the narrative of how we are portrayed. It so, is. Do you any yeah. you know I know we're like talking about it. so um so I did you know just do a post last night about how I've actually been writing again which is great because you know of course with quarantine and what have you, it's very to me I find it personally very hard to be creative in this type of situation where we're all packed in the house and you know everybody's here and you know I like to write I write better in quiet which is the complete opposite of now today's age but I did finally finish my first ever tv pilot Oh, wow. um, I hope to shop and sell, you know, sell around. And it's basically, you know, about an African-American Muslim female from the South fighting crime, you know, with her yeah. friends. And, um, you know, it's a story I'm very excited about. And I've shown it to a number of people and they're very excited about it. So I'm like, okay, I think I could do something with this as far as the telling Muslim stories piece. Mm -hmm. um, but then, of course, there is the, you know, the whole world outside of just, you know, what's going on in our Muslim community today's day and age. I still have a commitment to helping people get married one way or another. Like, I'm not one of those people that, oh, it has to be done this way or it has to be done that way. You know, I believe that the biggest um, way to get yourself out there on the dating scene is exposure, like kind of how we're doing now. Not the kind of exposure with people sending pictures and stuff. Right. But, you know, doing interviews like this or like the lives like we did, you know, we want to kind of do like a, a virtual you know, singles, game night, you know, we're talking about all these different things. So yes, keep tuned, Muslima Matchmaker page on Instagram and on Facebook. And, you know, we're just going to kind of just try to get creative and, and just, you know, really see what happens. But, you know, that's always going to be, you know, a, a passion of mine, like one way or another, even if it's back to just hooking up my friends with other friends, <laughs> so, you know, one way or another, we'll do that. And with the, with the writing, um, how, how long have you, you know, been in that industry, you know, combined? And how did you get into writing? Because you're not, I'm going to say this, you're not a lightweight because you've worked with some pretty um, popular people. No, I'm humbly lie. It's, it's <laughs> one of those things of like, I, all, I grew up watching movies. 
Uh-huh. And so it's like, what a fitting career to choose. It's like, yeah. I want to be who's behind the scene making the movies or writing the movies. So it's always been a passion of mine. I honestly, and I don't know how I missed this, but I didn't realize until college that you could actually make a career out of it, like get paid to work. It. <laughs> like I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Was totally majoring in something else, Spanish and international relations. Hablas español. You know, <laughs> so I, I was really going a different direction and literally changed my, well, I didn't change my major. I got like a certificate, you know, to try to see if I could kind of like start taking some film courses, which I did. But then I just turned around a year later after graduating with my degree in Spanish and international relations and ended up going and getting my master's in film producing. Okay. That's kind of how it happened from there. And then like all great stories start, I moved to LA (laughs) and started just kind of, you know, I mean, it is about who you know, so I, I, and I love people. So it's about networking and meeting people. And so, you know, one thing leads to another. And my first project was actually working with Jamie Foxx on the Ray Charles film. Yeah. And from there, you know, just things, you know, just keep working hard and hitting the pavement and just trying to follow my passion and, and really wanting to pr- provide a life for my daughter. Cause I, you know, was a single mom during the majority of that time. And so yeah, now so now it's kind of like me transitioning back into that because I you know uh, wanted to get remarried and have my son and want to really be there you know for my my son and my child you know in ways that I hadn't been able to be with my daughter because I was always working or you know on some set or busy. Mm-hmm. So I told myself, oh, I'm just gonna do this 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 you know mom mode you know so to speak. But the story of the book and and it's kind of reminds me of the Quran talks about how you may hate a thing and God may bring through it some deal of good. But that experience is actually what literally snapped me out of it. Like you can't sometimes just afford to kick your feet up and I'm just going to be, you know what I'm saying? You really have to kind of stay on the path that you were on, even for your own life. Like, yes, you know, uh, you know, we talk about a relationship kind of going in with that same energy as people say. And I was, I was, you know, bossing stuff around and I was doing this than the other. And that was, you know, one of the things that my husband really admired about me. And so this stay at home mom was a different personality, right? Um, which, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so I'm, I'm glad to have had that fire lit back under me because I didn't, I thought I'd be writing films, you know, like I'm doing now, but I thought that that was it. So, you know, for years, people had told me, oh, you should write a book. You should tell your story. I was like, nobody want to read that. So when this thing happened, I'm like, oh yeah, people don't want to read this because this is a hot mess. And we go, you know, talk about some things and clean up a little bit of the messiness surrounding polygamy, the polygamy practice, inshallah, amongst a lot of people. And so it was one of those things, like with matchmaking, that kind of came off of what people would call a fluke, right? Mm -hmm. But it really is nothing is, you know, everything is preordained, right? You know, in our belief, like it's already written. So you won't trip about it if it's not something you want it and you won't gloat like, oh, you know, if it's something that's bomb, like, oh, I did this, that, no, everything was already preordained by God. And you're just kind of following in that path and playing your role. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that because this podcast is so, even with this, when I, when I started, um, so the podcast grew from the book, um, because I wanted to, I wasn't ready to get back into writing because when I was writing women who persevere, that's when, um, my partner, Oh, he passed away, like right before in, in, in the midst of me, writing the last chapter and I completely shut down and um was I went the self-publishing route but I was working with um a team of people through Heavenly Publishing which is based here in uh South Suburban Chicago and Flossmoor Illinois and they reached out and they said you know Agena you just have 
the conclusion right. You know, if you can get it done by the end of the year, we could, you know, get you to editing. And I finished it probably in November of, um, why is the year escaping me right now? November of 2018. And then went to um, editing and was able to publish it in March of 2019. But, and then my dad died. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's okay. See, this is, I'm sorry, go ahead. Though. Oh, no. And so my dad passed away actually a year ago, July 9th, 2019. And trying to Right again, that was just something that was not going to happen for me. Right. You know? And uh, someone said to me, because my, my dad um, had a television um, program, has several television shows um, called The Manir Muhammad Show and Muhammad and Friends. And my brother is hosting his shows now. So still going live every week, still making sure, you know, to keep that legacy. And someone said to me, a friend of mine, he said, well, why aren't you hosting your dad's show? You don't want to host the show? And I said, no, we all stay in our lane, you know, but when my dad was present, I would come on his show. He allowed me to host a segment on education and on parenting because that was my thing. And I said, you know what? I, I will start a podcast because I got some things that I want to talk about. And initially it wasn't supposed to be, I was going to have a monthly series where I interviewed moms or, you know, boss women. So I call it like the mom boss segment. But then with the pandemic, you have to pivot. And it turned into, we couldn't go into the studio because nobody was going to meet face to face. Yeah. So then I said, well, I'll just, you know, interview guests this way. And so it's, like you said, everything is pre-written. I didn't realize it was going to grow into this, but each time I have a guest, mm -hmm. I always think about my dad and think about just the work that he put into producing a quality television program. And that's the same thing that I want to do for this podcast. I want to be able to share information with folks and have quality guests. And so it's, Aww. You know, it's been an honor yeah. to have you on because I think that what you're doing is needed for so many of us in our community, you know, and um, so I just want to commend you for for what you're doing and trying to make sure that the narrative is changed for us as well. Uh, thank so. you so much for that. That's beautiful. I couldn't have said it better myself. I need to write that down. <laughs> So I am very excited about all that you have coming up. And I know folks can follow you on social media, on Instagram, Facebook. I, I love your videos. Let me just say. Thank you. Mashallah. I really appreciate that because it, it takes a lot to, you know, put yourself out there. So yeah, you know, I have the support. So why don't you give us your, um, how we can follow you um, on social media. Yeah, so on Instagram, um, I'm at Khadija Wright. So it's Khadija with the H's. Some people use H's yes. after it. K-H-A-D-I-J-A-H, right? And um, on Facebook, I'm just Khadija Rashid. But please go and like the Muslima Matchmaker page on both. 
and those are also with H's on the end. And um, hopefully, you know, you'll join this journey that we're on. We're getting Agena married, inshallah. We're helping other people get married. We're just going to make it do what it do. 2020 is not canceled. That's right. And it's already, well, it's been written and you, you just spoke it. So oh, okay. it shall be. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to some videos about that. Yes. Deliberate creation, manifestation, all that stuff. That's right. Prayer, positivity. <laughs> well, I thank you so much for spending a part of your morning with, with me. And yeah. we definitely have to do this again. Yes, please. Looking forward to continuing to connect and collaborate with you and some of the other sisters. So thank you so much. I, it's been a blast. All right. Have a wonderful day. And I always tell my guests to make sure that they light it up and shine bright like a diamond. I love it. Take care. All right. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> Salaam. Thanks for joining me this week on Light It Up. Make sure you visit my website at www.lightituppodcast.com or www.ajinamohammed.com. You can also find me on social media using the handle at Light It Up Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or you can simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next time, light it up and shine bright like a diamond.